You are about to listen to the full interview with Ryan Burns. Sections of it were originally included in our Skinwalker Ranch episode. If you haven't listened to the full episode, we recommend you go listen. It'll provide context for this interview. Ryan Burns owns property near Skinwalker Ranch and runs his own UFO investigation group called Utah UFO Hunters. He's had many strange experiences on his property that he believes could be connected to the experiences on the Sherman's Ranch. I am a really just a just a stay-at-home dad, property manager, and uh, aficionado of the paranormal. I've had quite a few events of, I guess, interacting with non-corporeal intelligences that seem to roam the landscape there in the Uinta Basin. And um, I originally was up there as a fly fishing guide, um, just northeast of there, and that that's kind of when I was drawn to the area. But yeah, that's kind of who I am and what I do. So you own property adjacent to Skinwalker Ranch. How did you come to own this land? And yeah, maybe let's just start there. How did you come into into possession of that property? The whole area there is is pretty active and and it's checkerboarded with uh, Native American land as well, much of which is landlocked, uh, as they call it. And uh, um, there is, uh, well, anyway, there's a basin. And at the center of that basin, there's an area there near Bottle Hollow and this property became available. I, I, I just had to have it because it's an area that I used to go to really quite often. The, the old, the, the guys who were older than I in researching, that's where they would go and kind of post up and, and, and spend the night looking at stuff. And, and that's kind of how I first came aware of the property and the roadway. And so when it did become available, I, I, I felt, you know, having spent thousands and thousands of hours there already, I, I just felt as if uh, this was an opportunity to own something that, you know, was precious to me, not only because I spent a lot of time with, you know, other researchers there, but because we had experiences as well. Since purchase, I've actually sold the western half to another interest, a silent partner of mine, at least for the moment, that's just conducting his own sort of research there, just a nice guy and uh, well-meaning. And yeah, it's uh, it's just intriguing. And just the whole area is intriguing, everything from Duchesne to Vernal and really, you know, the Red Cloud Loop down to Ouray and Thompson Springs. It's just a magical triangle of just like a diamond, really, of wildness. Have you experienced anything yourself on the property itself? It sounds like you have. And can you kind of talk us through what some of those experiences have been? Sure. Um, I guess the most common are just lights in the sky um, on any any of the properties I own in the basin. But yeah, you just see them with more frequency and then the other stuff. If you open yourself up to other stuff, and by that I mean you spend longer out there, you, you maybe spend the night, you maybe spend it alone, things like that tend to increase frequency, but it's always better to have people with you just from a safety perspective, and then, and then you kind of have validity too as to what you've seen. You, whenever you're interacting with, a, with an intelligence or a power that seems greater than you or is able to do things that you're not able to do, it, it's, it's, it's intimidating and fear kicks in. You kind of have that fight or flight and, and you can't really fight. So it's pretty much fear. And what I've noticed is over time and over, uh, it's not just myself, others as well, after having instances, or a variety of instances where you're, you're struggling and dealing with this situation in those terms, you start to, your, I guess your batteries go down and you, you just start to interact and watch and you just take the, take the place of the observer. But it is tough because a lot of these things seem malevolent. And so you're really kind of, uh, you're, you're kind of 
passing an olive branch to the unseen world and hoping for the best. Yeah, I think the thing that's so interesting about that area is that, um, you know, there's there's obviously been a long history of UFO reports and UFO sightings. And I think generally when people think about UFO stories, there's almost like a a passive experience there that the UFOs there, you know, you don't, there's much interaction. You see something in the sky, but in the Uinta Basin and particularly in the area you're in, it seems like there's a lot of direct interaction and back and forth. And what do you think this is? I mean, you've referred to it as an entity or what, what do you think it could be that's causing this phenomenon? You know, I, I struggle with that. And the reason is anytime I try to put it into a box, it will take the form of another box. It's a shapeshifter in every sense of the word. The, the, the closest approximation that seems to be unboxable is the gin, but that's tough because it's coming from a culture other than our own. But that is something that can do all the things that uh, are seen and witnessed. And um, apparently, and, and, and maybe that's, that's just the open-mindedness of the culture, but I think it fits into all the boxes at any given moment, but it will not stay in any of them for any particular amount of time. That's the thing that's so weird about it, just how erratic the phenomenon is. Like, you know, reading the original Sherman accounts from Skinwalker Ranch is every encounter is different. There isn't a consistency at all. I know that UFOs and, and objects in the sky are a pretty common occurrence. Do you think that there's a technological aspect to this or do you think it's more spiritual? I think there's both and in different in different reasons, because uh, the, the government has definitely taken notice. And so I believe you know, in our best interest, they have uh, studied this. And, you know, so there is a technological aspect, at least on a nuts and bolts basis, according to some that are, you know, very high pay grade above myself. And I have no, no, no means or need to question them. But uh, because, you know, it seems to me outlandish that people in these positions of power would come out and say these things. And basically, put themselves up for all kinds of colleagues to just knock them down and wipe the legs out from under them. But yet they're doing it. They're, they're, they're stepping out on that, uh, that over the abyss and trying to like explain it a little bit. But I do believe that there is this, a very, very real spiritual component. And if, if you're in touch with a higher power, it probably doesn't matter which one it is, as long as the connection is good and not faulty. If you're in touch with a higher power, I think it helps just from a, kind of an insurance standpoint you just don't your fear seems to melt away a little bit more than if you're on let's say shaky ice or thin ice you know in that area you mentioned government involvement with the ranch maybe just kind of talk us through what that that has been in the past and what you're how what you're familiar with around that topic you know i i probably am familiar as much as anyone uh with with the most recent things that have come out uh, in the in the media it is an area of interest i guess and that that's a big deal so um, I think it's 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 a neat place, definitely, and it's it's gathered their attention, which should gather our attention. How did you first come to learn about the ranch? Very strange. Uh, I was actually uh, the first time I interacted, I would say, with an approximate area nearby would be in uh, it would be in the '90s, and uh, I had no idea of any of these wild claims of the area. And I, I was injured and I was just basically looking for fresh water to fish and, and wasting time and I couldn't work. So uh, I went down a random ranch road and interacted with something that was very much like a hitchhiker. It appeared to be a elderly Native American stumbling down off a bluff. And 
it was very erratic moving and, and it just you know it trying to be a good samaritan and i didn't have anything better to do i rolled down the window and said hey do you need a ride somewhere and this what i thought was an elderly native american covered in a blanket crawled into my truck and almost within seconds it's like it was reading me it was just going through a rolodex of my highs and lows in life and i know it sounds totally crazy but uh i, I was like in a you know in in tears within seconds this thing was just kind of mind raping me i guess or whatever it's doing getting information and uh, you know then i just had some missing time i was found by some people uh, i was hanging out in my truck kind of held in by my seatbelt near bottle hollow reservoir they were yeah and they started to ask me questions they were native american they asked me questions and that's the first time after i you know said my crazy tale that's the first time that i heard the term skinwalker and it's kind of haunted me ever since as, as many in native american culture will attest it's something that is believed in and it is a shapeshifter of sorts a uh healer gone bad if you will someone in the witchery way who has uh taken on more than they can chew from a magical standpoint and has made uh horrific deals with extremely powerful entities and among these deals uh one of the one of the symptoms or one of the side effects or or powers is being able to take the shape of any animal they choose other than a few they can't according to native american lore but uh most most aptly and with with the most i guess uh ease they take the form of like a wolf did you have any lingering effects from that experience i mean what what was the after that experience happened like what what did you do? I mean, I'm sure that was pretty shocking. Yeah, I just kind of put it out of my mind, which seemed to be the best place to box that experience up and and leave it out to dry, put it out to pasture. And it didn't pop back until uh about 2000 and oh gosh, 5. And I was with some other individuals. They were talking about this area that was nearby. Um, and that is kind of put two and two together and realized that this was the same location or uh, approximate location. And yeah, I, I, at that point I was in corporate America, I dropped everything and I was like, okay, so this, this is totally real. And I moved up to the area. I basically started researching full time and I, you know, it's kind of, uh, yeah, haunted me. It's a gift and a curse ever since. It's just something that I can't draw my interest away from. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, what do you think people's perceptions, locals in the area, what are their perceptions of this phenomena generally? Like, do people widely believe that there is something happening or most people skeptical? Like, what is your take on that? You know, it's like anything. Whenever uh, things from the fringe are relayed to the masses, it's safest to avoid them and explain them away as a falsity just because that way it's, it's a lot easier for the public not to deal with it at this point i believe enough traction has taken hold at least locally that everyone for the most part was more or less someone or has themselves seen something that is uh questionable i know that cattle mutilations are a piece of this this mystery have you ever experienced anything like that in the area or come across or heard people talk about their cattle being mutilated it it happens way too often it is um yeah it's it's very common and and 
just mysterious deaths are very common of animals. And uh, it, it's controversial because it's it's something most people just try to avoid, the loss in general. So uh, the, you, the, usually the cattle just ends up in a boneyard nearby and, and that's it. Is there any, I mean, do you have any idea or just have you ever heard any theories around why that's happening? Why animals are being targeted like this? You know, it's everything from it's the military. You hear a lot of theories, crazy theories. It's the military, but, you know, the occult and the uh, obviously the alien aspect. And, you know, the occult in northeastern Utah have a long and interesting history. So it can it can actually fit into any of those. And, you know, the alien aspect or, or maybe like alien artificial intelligence, really something that's just poking around. Uh, and it's easier to get away with it, uh, you know, when you're in a rural area without a lot of people. So the ranch was originally, I mean, this, this phenomenon became widely known because of the, the story of the Shermans owning the nearby ranch. Can you just kind of tell me generally your knowledge of like what their experience was? Uh, yeah, uh, the National Institute for Discovery Science first published a good deal of their work and various government programs were involved. They basically had serious government funding, which came rolling in, which is now fair to say, uh, because NIDS has since been shut down. And, and uh, the Pentagon invested at least $22 million that we know of. And uh, they, although it seems like us all, uh, whenever you're up against something that outguns you, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to come away from a gunfight with a knife and say it went well. But... Uh, Robert Bigelow once said, aliens are here, and uh, they're all around us. And when he made that comment, he spoke as if the answer was right in front of us in plain sight. And he was very intimately involved with the property. So it's it's something that I, I take to heart. And that $22 million that went to NIDS, was that, I mean, that was that specifically for the work being done on Skinwalker? Or was that kind of like a broad, a broad research project for them? Yeah, it, it, it was a broad research project. Uh, there were a couple, ATIP and OSAP, and they were both involved with basically, you know, is this stuff going to hurt us? Uh, so it, it was, I think, for good reason and good measure. Have you ever had any interaction with any of the um, members of NIDS or had a chance to talk with any of them? You know, the only one that I've talked talked to, I apologize, on a podcast, so not not a very legitimate, but just um, in you know in a podcast format was Bruce Cornett, and he had a lot of interesting a lot of interesting points. But I think that they're all just an extremely amazing, talented group of individuals. And uh, I, I take that back. I also spoke with, uh, let's see. Just in passing, you know, just at, at a restaurant, uh, spoke with Colm Kelleher. Seemed like a really nice guy, but yeah, nothing, nothing in professional or like serious sit-down type of conversations. Robert Bigelow. I mean, he's he's really a character. What do you what do you know about him and and his interest in this phenomenon? Uh, just what everyone knows, and it's, he's a very philanthropical individual living in Las Vegas now. Uh, even though I visit the basin monthly. Uh, having a little bit more of a local feel for the individual. He's, he's just, you know, a person who employed thousands of people, um, always, always did his very best for the community and just seemed like a stand-up guy, in my opinion. Mm. Now the ranch is owned by someone new, Brandon Fugel, um, who's also a prominent real estate developer. Uh, what do you know about Brandon? Have you had a chance to talk to him? 
I know as much as anyone uh, just that his his uh, his face is on you know all the billboards uh, having to do with real estate there in in Utah. So he's he's a very prominent and you know uh, coincidentally you know it seems like again uh, we we have a real estate tycoon or captain captain of industry involved, which I think is great because you kind of need you need that big lifting power for a project like this. And and I don't know how. You know, just yeah, that's 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 the kind of muscle you need behind something like this. What steps are you taking? Are you taking any steps to document the anomalies on your property? And have you captured anything you think that's definitive since you started looking? You know, that was the initial the initial attack was to just document, document, document. And um, what I found is, uh, in speaking with others, I'm I'm taking a more laid back approach as far as less documentation, less filming really and more uh i i guess uh, other other research methods that are um not 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 trying to capture data so much as just interact with the phenomena yeah i know i've heard that um you know this this seems to be whatever it is intelligent and aware and it's i know that there's been a lot of accounts specifically from skinwalker ranch that when they've tried to film things that you know, cameras would actually be taken offline, they would be un- unplugged. Have you experienced anything like that in terms of when you aren't trying to capture it, you seem to experience more at this stage? It, it can be a constant state of like mercury, mercury retrograde if you have electronics for some reason. It, they seem easily manipulated by, I don't know what kind of force, it seems magnetic sometimes, but it can really, really mess with all kinds of devices. You name it, 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 it depends on how familiar are you with the technology and have tons of batteries. And so you can, you can imagine the relentless, constant, just tedious warfare that that can be. And it's not very enjoyable. So I, I prefer to spend my time not doing that as much in the past. And uh, it reminds me of a time I was overlooking the property from the, the whole area, really. And I was from the roadway. I was overlooking the property that I came to own. And it was kind of a little you know, light, light show in front of us. And I remember this older researcher, as I was clamoring for up through all my gear, just kind of said, Hey, why, why don't you just enjoy it? And that just was true now. I guess like 10 years from now, where do you hope to see some of the research you're doing on that property lead? You know, I have to see it lead, believe it or not, into something that will help people, whether that be, uh, it's some kind of, I, I really don't know, uh, something that will help people in some way, shape or form. And, you know, leaving the property, I think in retrospect, if I, if I would have left it more just the way it was, it seems like, you know, I put an RV on it, it got struck by lightning. It seems like the land kind of wants to keep things the way it is. And, and so maybe, you know, keeping things the way it is, is just more apt to uh, congruently interact and dance with the phenomena than, you know, shuffling the deck, so to speak. You, you had the issue with your RV. Have you experienced anything else like that while owning the property? Like any other changes to the property that have brought maybe negative adverse effects? Yeah, there's been tectonic shifts, which are hard to explain. There's uh, like cracks that will open up in the ground, uh, water mains, that were, water lines that will break, um, you know, foundations that will, that will just give out from underneath property. It's just really strange. It's almost as if the land itself is moving around and, and, uh, it, the land itself has a mind of its own. I once came across, I was just, well, it's hard to explain, but 
it, it's what I thought was an individual at first, but in retrospect and at the time, I start, as they were walking towards me and up the hill, I could tell that they were long and slender and uh, much taller than myself and much way much less than myself. So a very, a very unhuman kind of just overall appearance. They were pulling it off pretty good though. They had like a, they had like a ball cap on, had a little red light on the top of it, like a hunter would have had a, and, and were dressed in, you know, human clothes. It just didn't fit very great. But that was the only time that I ever can say that I came across something that I would say was quote unquote alien or not, not more of the shapeshifter. And, but then again, you know, it, it's just so hard to say. So could you tell me a little bit about what I think is, I, I know that I saw that you, is it Space Wolf? Is that the name of your, your property management? Oh, that's, that's just the LLC that the property is owned under. And yeah, that's just, it just seemed, just seemed appropriate, you know, just, you know, space and the wolf somehow seemed to it, both kind of dance to the same tango here in the area. So I don't know, it just seemed appropriate. I know that there's a long history of UFO sightings in the area. Do you have much familiarity kind of around the research that's happened, I think, prior to you purchasing that ranch and, and what some of the things are that people have seen in the skies there? You know, I can only really talk from my own stuff, my own my own experiences. But yeah, there have been quite a few uh, other locals that I've spoken with who have had experiences in the area. Everything from, I mean, you name it. it it's just even even a neighbor across the street in Salt Lake where I grew up had an experience where they were driving an oil truck and they pulled over on the side of the road as you often hear and had something large walk alongside the oil truck and kind of start pushing it around and it's lights in the sky are probably the most common like i mentioned but yeah there's, there's a lot a ton of instances i can think of i've i've seen what appear to be columns uh from time to time just go up and down um at other properties, it seems like ridge lines will light up, and this is properties all the way from Duchesne to Vertel, and they would they just light up as if as if there's some kind of geomagnetic anomaly taking place. But it, it's it's very hard to explain. There's some really intriguing aspects of the basin that are hard to refute. When you say light up, could you kind of give me a little bit more description of what you mean by that? Um, sure. Uh, one property in particular in Duchesne that I used to run as a bed and breakfast, I would often have guests or family and all, you know, all kinds of people that would come over and say, oh, look how strange. It looks like the ridge is lighting up behind the behind the river. And it would just be this three glow that would would light up and then disappear. And, you know, it could be explained away with a lot of different things, but the same thing is seen all, all over the all over the basin. I've seen it everywhere from like the red cloud loop to Uray. It's it's very strange. And those columns, are those like beams of light? Exactly. Yeah, beams of light. Do you think there's any connection? I've heard I've heard that some people think that um Bottle Hollow may have some sort of connection to this phenomenon. Have you ever experienced anything yourself there that's out of the usual? The most fantastic things I've seen over Bottle Hollow are what appear to be almost Volkswagen sized balls of light that will just kind of power up and, and, and cross. And, and they usually are going in a, in a very, you know, let's see, it would be Northwest and Southeast direction, either one way or the other. 
and they're just cool. They just they're just there as long as they want to be. So it's it's just kind of neat as long as you're able to see it. And those balls of light, they just they just do you see them like do they disappear? Do they just vanish into the horizon? Like what? How does that phenomenon leave the area? It's really interesting you say that because yeah, sometimes they will just disappear with nothing, but almost always they'll leave the cover of something, some kind of break in the landscape or even a tree. There's been instances where like a tree, they'll 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 use the <laughs> which seems ridiculous. It'll just stop behind the tree and uh, any kind of a cloud, any, any sort of anything they can, or, or they just blank out. They just, they just almost like a holograph lose pixels and disappear. You know, the, the broad color spectrum can all be seen, but in my estimation, the most common are the amber colored, almost like an amber orangish fire and yellow is involved. And then it kind of almost uses that same color to go in and out. It starts bright white, gets more amber as it gets larger and then goes back to that small point of, of light. Have you ever met anyone or have you personally met anyone who's, who's, who knew the Shermans when they lived there? The only person that I guess really knew them that I met would be Junior Hicks, who, who was intimately uh, familiar with them. But there are other, other locals who uh, I know who claim to have known them at the time. And they seemed like a stand-up family. Junior Hicks, uh, did you get to know him very well? You know, uh, only in as much as we would just chat. He he would come to my he came to my house once and uh, talked with uh, myself and Frank Salisbury and Jack Vallee. And then I I would I think I talked to him a couple of times. He loved raspberry shakes, and so we would go to his favorite raspberry shake place. But I wish I would have talked to him more as often as the kid. Well, I think he's single-handedly started, uh, lit the torch and started documenting the amount of reports and also going out to areas where these things were seen and looking for any kind of nuts and bolts data or imprints in, in, in the ground, what, whatever whatever the report was, he would, he would go and try to, at least from a scientific perspective, document anything that he found. So. He, he really picked the torch and, and lit it and started this uh, this path towards truth. And did through your conversations with him, did he ever have any theories of his own of what this was? The religious and spiritual aspect would come up over and over again with Frank Salisbury and as well with Junior. And uh, it is that's why I, I lend a lot of credence to to the spiritual aspect of the whole thing and how how the display interacts with the observer and what it is that the observer sees compared to other observers nearby. So you've told me about some pretty incredible experiences you've had. I mean, I'm, I'm really very interested in learning and hearing more about anyone's personal experiences they've had in that area. Do you have any others that you could share with us? Sure. Um, there's been some instances where I guess what you would call it, this is in more recent times, something more like a, uh, like an invisible man uh, or image or entity that, uh, for example, will run up and slam on something nearby and then run off. And you can you can hear the run up and you can hear the, the whacking and then you can hear the run off, but you can't really see anything. Uh, another interesting thing was about, oh gosh, it was early in the morning, between three and four in the morning. And I can only describe seeing what appeared to be a larger figure and a smaller figure kind of walking through the trees. And, you know, I tried to 
and still try to rationalize it as maybe just a father and son, you know, going hunting early or something along those lines, but they didn't have weapons that I could see. And it, it's just another thing that makes me scratch my head. But yeah, it, it, there's, there's a lot of interesting things that I've seen. So I don't, I don't want to go into too many of them. People start thinking I'm a little out there. You mentioned you're a father. Have you ever had concern of bringing your child to that property? Like, do you, do you feel like there's any risk of having your kid there? That is a good question. It's, it's something I've always planned, but then again, uh, it is, you don't really know what you're interacting with. Is this, unfortunately, the more I talk to people that are in the know more than myself, it seems like there is a genetic component to this. So I, I, I doubt that I have any control over that aspect whether or not this will continue on. But I know in my own family that there's been instances of this as I look past, you know, my own generation and look back, there's other instances of odd paranormal stuff kind of following the family. So I hope not, but you never know. So when you say genetic, you mean like some people are just predisposed to having these experiences or triggering this phenomenon? I, I don't know about all that. I think that over time you maybe, I don't, at least myself, maybe I'm just a very dull tool, but I think I slow slowly honed to where I'm more apt and willing to interact with things with less fear than than I was previously. I know you said you're hesitant to share more of this personal accounts because you you don't want to sound crazy, but maybe maybe if you have you met anyone else who's had really some of the more interesting encounters you've heard from other people that way we don't have to worry about making them sound crazy. Sure. Uh, there's been very prominent businessmen in the area and other people who are respected that have seen well uh like canine walking somewhat hominid entities that can kind of keep up with your vehicle so to speak went on these on these back roadways and it's usually early in the morning late at night when you least expect it and it, it, it there's all kinds of tales you know uh one particular one was an individual who hit one in his truck and he said he hit it, he got out and he said, well, I got it. And uh, <laughs> went out in front of his truck and there was damage to the truck, but there was nothing there. And so there's a lot of interesting tales like this that there's just no immediate proof afterwards. And it, that, that seems to be the part that bungles us and we, we can't get that data in the jar, you know? Through these stories and your own encounters, have you noticed any patterns about when this phenomenon does manifest? Yeah, it seems like it loves inclement weather. It it adores new moons when there's very little light, just just more darkness for it to bathe in. And uh, other, you know, like farmers' almanac kind of cosmic times seem to have something to do with it. But yeah, if you stick with inclement weather and new moons pretty much anywhere in the high desert where culturally this type of thing is believed in you're you're in the you're in the game how far reaching do you think this phenomenon is in that area you know interestingly i think it engulfs an area kind of known as the dinosaur diamond uh, as time has progressed and it's an area that goes from vernal to duchene pretty much the entire uana basin down to thompson springs and up up into the Red Cloud Loop, really, up into the Ashley National Forest above Vernal. And this whole area, there's parts, I mean, that even speckle into Colorado all over the river there. But there's all kinds of wild badlands with crazy stories, it seems, in that bullseye. 
You mentioned that you have an interest in the paranormal. Have you ever heard of anything else anywhere else in the world through your research or readings that you think compares to what's happening in the Uinta Basin? There are similarities to other areas nearby, uh, one of which is the San Luis Valley in Colorado. Um, there are areas in New Mexico and uh, the Shiprock area. There are areas that have similarities and then other ranches that have been other hotspots, let's say, that I, I've visited. And sure enough, I mean, something to them. They're not the same. It's like a different flavor at the salad bar. But the uh, the Bradshaw Ranch in Arizona, which is now, um, I believe, owned by the state, uh, U Arizona State University. They're doing some interesting tests out there having to do with cottonwood trees, which doesn't seem paranormal at all. But um, other other ranches uh, in Colorado, as I said, you know, obviously people have heard the tales of uh, the Shiprock and in the Shiprock area of Skinwalkers. Kanab, Utah, for some reason, seems to draw some of these forces. But yeah, there's other areas for sure. They're just not quite the same. Yeah, it's just a very interesting story, and I look forward to seeing where it all goes. And uh, it, I, I love that it is finally getting more and more attention, at least slowly over time. So I think all these areas will. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I hope that there's more to this that comes out. Oh, there is. There is one story that I, I, I do have to tell you. <laughs> this is a crazy one. This is kind of the, for me, it was kind of the holy grail, but uh, as, as if others aren't. But there was a interaction with a wolf over on a, on a, on a ridgeline in the badlands of the Una Basin. And this, this wolf, what's odd is first we were looking at lights that seemed to be coming up towards us and, uh, in the distance and these lights thunked into the ground or thudded into the ground. And uh, as, as we approached where we were hidden, but as we approached where we thought the lights hit and stood up, it, what can only be described as like nanoparticles or a wispy, like, like a, a bunch of beehive, you know, just these little swarms of dark matter uh, became this, this canine in front of us. And then just as quickly as it appeared, we were frightened and uh, I, I was horrified and it disappeared. And, and so that's another one that, you know, the shapeshifter, whatever you want to call it, it, it does not appear to be what it is, no matter, even if it shows itself for a moment, can, it can go away just as quickly. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcasting app. It helps get this content in front of more listeners, which means we can produce more episodes more often. Visit our website at www.strange-phenomenon.com for a full list of sources and more episodes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at strange underscore phenom and on Facebook at strange phenomenon, all one word. Strange Phenomenon is hosted by Ray Tarara. It's written and produced by R.J. Blake and Ray Tarara. Theme music by Tara Monk. Additional music provided by Sergi Cheramizanov.